Right, so I don't understand what so Eugene Scott guy writes for the Washington Post, and he's retweeting a story from the Daily Beast that says, in the same area that Gabby Petito disappeared, 710 indigenous people, mostly girls, disappeared between the years of 2011 and 2020, but their stories didn't lead news cycles. This is a guy who writes for the Washington Post. So, okay, posting your L's on Twitter here, like, that's your bad, man. Like, you're a national reporter. (laughs) Why don't you do something about it? This is the same criticism that Joy Reid says. Oh, you know, we're only doing it because of the, uh, it's a pretty white girl. That's why everyone's focused on this disappearance. Now, I would submit there are a host of other criteria. See, but this is the problem when you when you are trained in the anti-racism and critical race theory ideologies. Like when you when this when you view everything through the racial lens, you become uh, myopic, right? Like you 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 can't see you get tunnel vision. It's like that dictates every single thing. And honestly, what a depressing and boring way to go through life where everything is explained by one single thing that, by the way, nobody has any control over, right? You can't control your race. So is that the only reason? Is that the only reason? Is it only because of race and I guess gender? So I guess this is, is this, by the way, would this be a female privilege thing over male privilege? Is this the patriarchy at play at work or both, I guess? Well, I mean, when you're the patriarchy, you know, your patriarchy Hard, either you're playing or working. You just you go full patriarch. I'm just kind of curious. Is this a privilege that women have over men? Dude goes missing. I mean, like, honestly, if the guy in Florida. That is, you know, in my opinion, quite obviously, the reason why uh, the girl is dead. Um, if he hadn't gone missing or if he hadn't been wanted in that murder and he just disappeared somewhere in like the Everglades or whatever, do you think anybody would really be like, Oh no, we got to set up a search party and national news coverage for not really. No, they'd be like, no dude took a case of beer, went off into the swamp and yeah, he's probably dead. And like, I seriously, like there's a, there's a level of attention that gets paid to missing kids to missing women over a grown man seriously now is that the fault of the society of you and me and the media and everybody else or is it that i would submit that it's actually more about some of the the factors of the cases when a case becomes sort of uh what what makes it newsworthy right these are the discussions that news organizations have they sit in around their their meeting table and they're like what are we going to cover today what are the big stories reporters are in there and the assignment editors are in there and the producers are in there, the news managers and everybody's in there and they're all talking about what stories they're going to focus on. And somebody brings forth the case. Like here's one, everyone in Charlotte. Well, for any extended period of time, let me say that now. Um, Asia degree. That, that, that girl like that was a bizarre missing person story. Little girl. According to the story that the family told, right, little girl gets up in the middle of the night or something thinking she's going to school, but it's like way too early. And she walks out the front door dressed for school and is never seen or heard from again. 
but I forget how old, maybe like eight years old, 10 years old, something like that. Young girl. Now she was a black girl and that story got tons of coverage as it should. Tons of coverage. Um, I recall there was another one, but I wasn't uh, doing news so much at this point, I think, where there was another missing girl, but she went missing up in uh, Baltimore. Do you remember that story? She was from Charlotte, went up to Baltimore, and they eventually uh, found her body, and she had been murdered by somebody up there. Um, I know, in Baltimore, of all places. Who could have guessed it? But, um, what? So, okay, so producer Ryan is from Baltimore, so he's very hypersensitive. (laughs) About the Baltimore stuff. Look, man, they made a whole show about people getting killed in Baltimore. They did. So it's not really on me. But I think there are certain elements of stories that make them more... To take the take the personal tragedy out of the story, right? And you just look at it from a storytelling perspective. You just look at it rationally. Here are the criteria. Certain things make it more newsworthy or... I should say interesting things that, you know, because sometimes people disappear and there's no trace of them and there's nothing, there's no hook. There's nothing to tell. They're just like, they disappeared and there isn't anything else. Then there are, what was the other girl? The little girl, uh, Zara Baker, right? Wasn't she? And she went missing. It turned out like her family had something to do with that too, which by the way, folks, you know, not for nothing. And if you're going to get killed, it's usually by somebody, you know, so yeah, the, the stranger danger, random acts of violence things, usually not the case. Um, it's it, it just it seems to me that when you view everything through the lens of race, you become blind to any other thing except race. What a sad way to go through life. Because there's so many more interesting and important, relevant things to focus on. I do wonder, by the way, what's going to happen at some point in the future when uh, the left has trained up enough of these uh, little comrades uh, to see everything through this racial prism. How are we going to investigate murders at that point? Like what? Is everybody going to be killed by a white person? <laughs> uh, is that the way it's going to go down? Or or remember the opposite race? Is that how it, it looks? Like I, I'm curious. If, if the racial prism dictates all, then... What does that spell for not just murder investigations, but sort of all crime investigation? You have to be open to all of the different ideas, all the different factors and evidence and go where it leads. Right. I don't know. This just seems obvious to me. But what do I know? I'm just a little old radio host. By the way, yes, I do intend to talk about the Haitians at the border and that Border Patrol guy on the horse. (laughs) Because, have you heard about this story? The whipping of the man who wasn't whipped? He wasn't. There's no whip. There was no whipping, no whip involved at all. But Elizabeth Warren has now weighed in. And this really does, I mean, it really, I mean, it strikes a chord with her. I mean, given her ancestry and all, with the whipping by a cowboy. Like, that does, obviously, it it conjures up some old, you know, familial DNA kind of stuff. It's just kind of, yeah, it's just in her. (laughs) Give me a break. The graphic images. It's like, 
that a graphic image? It's not a graphic image. The guy is using the reins of the horse uh, to control the horse. Oh, my God, people. This, but that's this is what we're doing now. This is the shiny object that the Biden administration is going to try to distract everybody. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I figure I will let you know simply because this is the shiny object that they really, really hope you pay attention to. We're actually in the territory now of uh, former Soviet bloc nations um, and and uh, Russia, you know, where they would tell when they came over uh, to America, they would tell folks like we watched the news in order to know what the party wanted us to think. That's the reason you watch the news is <laughs> to find out what the government class, what the Communist Party wants the official story to be. Not that you should believe this stuff, but you need to inform yourself as to what this is. Now, that doesn't mean it's necessarily false. The commies could be using some, you know, a little bit of true information for some reason. It's possible, so you should always hold that out. But generally speaking, commies lie. So yeah, you do you do wanna you do wanna make sure <laughs> when you're well, I mean, that's why, look, when the whole COVID thing first started and people said, Pete, you know, what do you make of the COVID stuff and the numbers out of China? I said, well, you can't trust any of that. And they're like, why am I? Because they're communists. That's what they do. They lie. Oh, like about everything. So yeah, it's just a good rule of thumb. It has served me well. Charlotte teachers, Charlotte Mecklenburg school teachers, they're now going to have to get the vaccination, going to have to show the card that started yesterday, testing for the unvaccinated teachers and staff. Um uh, beginning, uh, I guess, within two weeks uh, at the elementary school level, testing for students who have COVID-19 symptoms or want to reduce time spent in quarantine after an exposure. Uh, they expect that to launch in October. And uh, so this started yesterday. CMS employees uh, have to provide, do- uh, sorry, they're asked to provide documentation of the vaccination status. Vaccinated staff have to upload the pictures. Uh, to confirm that they're vaccinated, testing of unvaccinated staff will be mandatory. Families or students can opt in if a student wishes to be tested. Well, wait a minute. If the vaccinated can spread it, then why shouldn't everybody get tested? Right? Shouldn't everybody be getting tested if it's spread by everybody? Why are you only testing the unvaccinated and why is it an opt in for the vaccinated? I mean, we're practicing battlefield medicine or we're not like, why do you insist on telling me that I need to treat these things very, very seriously, but then you don't treat these things very, very seriously. Let's see here. Oh yeah. It's an opt in. CMS has not been tracking vaccinations among staff or teachers. Huh? Yeah, why do we need that information? The Charlotte Observer reported in August that Mecklenburg County Public Health Director Gibby Harris urged CMS to figure out who on staff is vaccinated and ensure that any adult who isn't provided, uh, yeah, who isn't, provides proof of a negative test result weekly. Um, Employees at transportation sites, they're included in the testing after all the school sites are incorporated or as soon as possible during the phase in the school. So, after we get the school set up, then we'll worry about the transportation site personnel. It's so dangerous, you see, that we're waiting until October 25th. 
That's the, that's the middle, like that's the high school and, st- and uh, student and staff testing deadline, October 25th. They hope to roll it out October 4th for the lower grades, elementary school, middle and K through eight schools, October 11th, and then October 25th. So that's how, that's what they're doing. Like, look, you cannot convince me that the, the testing and the, un- the, the making people uncomfortable is the point. That's the point. They're like, get vaccinated or else we're going to jam this this swab into your brain. Like, that's the point, right? The uncomfortability is the point. It's the stick that they're using to try to get people vaccinated. Look, if you don't want to go through this every single week, there's an easy way, just get vaccinated. And maybe that's the right play here. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'm I'm at the point now where, like, I don't trust, like, people who just keep screeching, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, like, who are you talking to? The people who refuse to get vaccinated? Do you think that's a persuasive approach to just be screaming at them? Did you see the guy driving around in the van? It's like a funeral home. And it said they had a big van. They had it. Uh, they had posted on the sides of the big box truck or whatever and says, don't get vaccinated. And it's a funeral home. Get it? Because if you don't get vaccinated... You're going to die, and that's good for their business. It's funny, too, because the, the the Vax crowd were all like, what are you doing? You're trying to convince people not to get the jab. Like, uh, no, it's a marketing thing. It's actually like it's the reverse. It's kind of sarcastic. It's, oh, never mind. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The Pete Callender Show. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. You can also call 704-570-1110 and uh, 1-800-WBT-1110. I have another email here to Pete at the Pete Callender Show. Pete, they are called awfuls. Affluent white female liberals. Awful. <laughs> I've never heard that. Awfuls. And they really do live up to their moniker. They are in power positions in companies like the big drug chains, and they are perpetuating the, I guess, COVID terror. Um, yeah, so it's, it is interesting. There was, um, where was it? There was a study that was done, and I should, I should have, yeah, I should have pulled up the, the graph before I started down this path. My apologies. Um, but if you break down the numbers, actually, Bill Maher, of all people, um, he's been kind of uh, he's been kind of a lone voice of sanity among uh, the left. Uh, he's although I think he's probably going to find himself more in the category of liberal versus the left um, if he's not too careful. But um, there was a great Bill Maher went on one of the late shows. I think it was Colbert or something and, and was talking about how or no, Jimmy Kimmel. And he was talking about how. Um, the red states are open and they can tour like for people like him who go out on tour. He's a comedian. And he said, it's you blue state people that are all still locked down and you're terrified. He's like, we try to go and do shows in blue states and people don't show up because the blue staters are so scared of COVID. And here it is. The New York times put out a poll. And by the way, this has been, remarkably consistent from the very beginning. I talked about a Gallup poll that was done for Franklin Templeton over a year ago. They did a re-up of the same poll 
uh, Gallup did for Franklin Templeton, the financial group, and they asked people the same question a year later, and the re- uh, the results were the same, which was a wild misperception of risk assessment by people on the left. And here's another example. So what are the chances that somebody with COVID must be hospitalized? What are the chances? Is it zero? Is it one to five? Is it six to 10? 11 to 19? 20 to 49 or 50% end up. What are the chances that somebody with COVID will be, must be hospitalized? What are those chances? So you already got COVID. So this isn't even about chances that you'll get it, chances that you'll die. This is just, you already have it. And what are the chances you're going to end up in the hospital once you got it? Do you know what the actual answer is? It's about 1%. One to, so the the correct answer to this survey is the 1% to 5% range. Independents and others, independent uh, voters. Oh, look at that. I'm just looking at this right now. This source comes from the Franklin Templeton Gallup Economics of Recovery. So this is the same group. So the New York Times posted this. Uh, I guess they just did another one. I guess Franklin Templeton ran it again. This is what they keep finding. This is not new. I'm sorry. I just read the – I just saw the uh, – uh, who who did it at the bottom of the page there. So independence, 20% of independents correctly identified the correct range, 1% to 5% chances. 26% of Republicans correctly identify 1% to 5% chances that somebody with COVID must be hosp- uh, hospitalized. 10% of Democrats do. So there are only 1 out of 10 Democrats know the correct answer Whereas almost, what, one out of four Republicans and one out of five independents. They have similar numbers then for the rest of the other groupings of, you know, 6 to 10%, 11 to 19%, 20 to 49%. The biggest difference, though, comes in the final group. Democrats, 41% of Democrats think that your chances of getting hospitalized once you have COVID is over 50%. And it's just not true. But that's how out of whack their perception of the risk is. And why is that? Why is that? See, I keep saying this. I, I like the question why. I'm, I keep asking the why question on stuff because to me it's the most interesting and it advances the conversation or an agenda or dismantles an agenda, right? This is how you figure stuff out as you ask the why. The other W questions are important too. But the why is, to me, the most interesting, usually. And why do 41% of Democrats believe that your chance of getting a hospital, that you have to be hospitalized once you get COVID, is over half? How'd that happen? Why is that the case? Anybody care to ask anybody about that? Any media people, you guys think at all you might have something to do with that? Or is it all just Facebook? Why is it then that Facebook folks are sharing this kind of misinformation and they are allowed to? How does that happen? Right? Why are people on social media allowed to spread misinformation about the risk assessment, but they're not allowed to spread information or misinformation about other aspects of COVID and treatments and the like? Why is that? Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist kind of a guy. In this case, as I mentioned earlier with one of the other callers, 
I tend to come down on the side of thinking that this is people that uh, are they are trusting in their institutions, in this case, the media. And it is a very unsettling, it's a disturbing, it's a traumatic even kind of break that people have to have from these trusted organizations and institutions when they finally recognize that these institutions are either lying to them or they don't know what they're talking about. It's far easier for people right, to, to keep believing the lie than it is to believe that they've been lied to. As, and this is, the, this is why I keep asking the question, like, uh, you know, is anybody going to ask the governor about the lockdowns? That's important because he's still out there pretending that that was necessary and effective, which does what? It feeds this very neuroses. It feeds this very idea. There are people walking around that think the lockdowns worked, that the lockdowns saved lives. He says this. The governor still says this stuff. He needs to be asked why. What proof do you have that the lockdown saved lives? Because there's a bunch of research that shows net lives lost. And we're still going to be seeing this stuff for years to come. And you see it also with all the kids and their terrible test scores and all of that. Not to mention the the impacts of masking up two-year-olds and all of this stuff that no one else on the planet apparently is doing but us. All right, I could go on, but... News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thank you, Paula. She sent me an email. It says, I guess if the reporter who was talking about how, you know, hundreds of indigenous women have gone missing over the last decade in the same area where the blonde blogger girl went missing, like, notice no one covered all of that. And like I was pointing out, well, you're a national reporter for the Washington Post. Why wouldn't you cover it if you're a reporter? But Paula says, well, maybe the reporter... Should have paid attention um, and less hate. They would have known that the Trump administration task force on missing and murdered indigenous women was created. (laughs) This is actually true. In January of 2020, the Department of Justice, Department of Interior and Department of Health and Human Services held the first meeting of a White House task force to address the incidents of missing and murdered American Indians and Alaska natives. Yeah, Trump already... Trump already started one for you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> really amazing. Uh, okay, Robert, welcome to the program. Hello, Robert, how are you? Pete, it's an honor to speak with you. Okay, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's uh, earned, Hello? but I appreciate it. I, appreciate it. Um, I share your, your enthusiasm to the why. Why is it that things happen? Why? And it's usually the... The liberals that sit there and they just say, well, that's because. And the reason why, it's the people that live their life hiding underneath the sheets, that it's all doom and gloom. And usually it's the conservative or the independent that goes out and takes the risk to start the business, to uh, enlist into the Air Force or the Army, to put, you know, put themselves in harm's way to protect others. It's uh, a product, I think, of... Uh, where you were raised, if you were raised in Arizona, uh, Texas, New Mexico, even Montana, the Idaho, where you have to get off your butt to survive. You have to make an effort. And that's where I think the, uh, the survey lies. 
when you ask Democrats, it's like, oh, I'm sick. I'm going to stay home from work today. So, All right. So. I'm not so sure that you can draw those types of sweeping conclusions, and for this reason alone. Have you, have you heard of a guy named Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson? I've heard of him. Okay. So he's a clinical psychiatrist up in Canada. He got into a lot of trouble uh, because he refused to cave to a uh, or to bow to the policy of uh, of using pronouns, uh, you know, transgender pronouns, right? That's, that's kind of uh, launched him into the public uh, eye, and he's done a ton of... Um, uh, YouTube videos. He's a public intellectual kind of guy. He does lots of uh, these discussions. Anyway, so he, one of the things that he was doing for a while was posting his lectures, his class lectures online. And I've watched several of them. And he talks about the different types of personalities. And generally, people fall into more of an open or a more closed kind of uh, mindset. And honestly, the people who are more open uh, mindset they tend to start their own businesses. They tend to be more creative. They also tend to be of the left. Um, but the people who are of the right tend to be more, I don't want to say rigid in some respects, but more order is what he calls it. Ordered mindset versus the chaos mindset. Entrepreneurs, that's why entrepreneurs, they keep making stuff, doing stuff. They keep There's a constant um, uh, creative flow going on. And that's good to start the business, but you got to have the ordered side of the brain as well in order to manage it once you get it started, if that makes sense. You need people with that ordered mindset to run stuff once it's created. So I'm not sure you can make the kinds of sweeping generalizations about, you know, conservatives are all about work and liberals are not, um, because there are a lot of there are a lot of people who are on the left that started their own businesses, right? They they actually control big tech, do they not? Right? Like these are all leftists. Yeah, to a certain extent. I'm, I'm a little. If I if I subscribe to his lectures and his thinking, then after 63 years on it, I just found out that I'm a I'm a liberal. Oh my god. Well, you you probably um, are in the classical sense, right? Um, because there's a difference I, between liberal versus leftist and progressive. Right. I mean, there. Yes, there is. Right. There and is. a classical liberalism. I mean, what is liberalism is the ability, you know, the, the desire to to push forward and to explore and to be open to ideas like people who are on the left tend to be like more artistic like in 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 pushing the boundaries of art. Right. So this gentleman that's up in Canada, um, this may have nothing to do with it, but is he a believer? Because uh, I'm not a subscriber to pronouns. Um there is a difference between a man and a woman, and that is it. There are there are exceptions. There's abnormalities in life, but it's man or woman. That's it. You you don't get to decide what your pronoun is. Right. So, I'm, and, and yeah. I, I didn't catch the beginning of your question. What was what were you asking me? Well, it's not really it. If the uh, gentleman up in Canada is is he a believer? Yeah, he's a Christian. Yeah, is he, is he a Christian? Yeah. Then, I, well, <laughs> kind of surprising, but why? I'm just, I, I just think that uh, that most of your risk takers, I, I served in the military, and for the most part, but those aren't. That's not a chaos that, mind. People who go into the military cannot have a chaotic uh, mind. No, they got to be an ordered mind to go into the military. That's right, and it, it always kind of, uh, uh, I was amazed when I ran across uh, another individual who 
was a, uh, a Democrat, a liberal, a progressive. And it's just like, oh, wait a minute, you're willing to take a bullet for me. I, I just, I found that really in talking to them, their whole agenda in life was like, oh, no, we've, we've got to help all sorts of people. Well, mm-hmm. you know, giving starts at the individual, not at the government level. Yeah, well, this I, I think, so the idea here is, I think what I would say is don't get hung up on the on on us on assuming a different goal right you have a different path to get there it sounds like like i i try to assume with people of the left and you know liberals in general i try to assume that their hearts are in the right place they want to help people and so do people on the right it's not bad guys good guys in every case right like now the ideology of leftism and progressivism socialism communism I believe to be inspired by evil, absolutely. And there are people that go down that path and believe it, and they start off because they think that's the good path to be on. And those bad Republicans, they're on the other side. When we all kind of want the same thing, we just have a different way to get there. We prefer the free market. All right, the Speaker of the House will join me up next.